Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how you doing? I'm doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being with us for this episode. You might have wondered our last episode cut off right in the middle. Well, we'll get to that. But uh, get get quick shout-outs. First one's Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. Save ten, save ten percent on your order. And our other shout out goes to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, guys, Orlando Cologne, as far as I know, is a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to show up at the Rumble? He might. He might. That would actually be really cool. It like, he would. Should. He it could. would. I mean, they have. Uh, they had like. 200 people on the roster i think they've, they've been whittling that away so i uh, did they even have 30 to, to staff it uh if not you definitely have orlando cologne as a nice surprise yes absolutely they don't have enough women to staff it that's for sure no that's true no. don't they aren't they down to like 12 women now or something absurd I, like that i don't know so well, it's, it's not that many if if you're listening to the show and you're not aware first of all i'll be honest i'm a little surprised but second um, WWE Royal Rumble is coming up, and they contracted like Mickey James, who's the current Impact Women's Champion, to be in the Rumble, and they they're and they're bringing back Summer Rae for that. They're doing all this because they don't have enough women on the roster to actually fill their Rumble out. You know, I rem- the only reason I remember Summer Rae. Do you remember their their mobile like card game? That they, I think it still runs. I think it was like WWE Card Battle or something. Mm-hmm. I think I remember the commercial for it. Um, so I played that for a bit, and the only reason I actually remember who Summer Rae is is because her card was like common as dirt, <laughs> and she was like probably like before you had like anyone decent, you were probably trying to run her as like one of your women, and it did not go well. But that's the only reason I remember her, because she is she is one of those in like what was an endless line of of forgettable blondes in the early two thousand well, I guess tens at this point. It was weird. The the memory that stuck out in my head with her. This is such a weird random memory, but she tags in and it's like she she's in this multi multi you know six woman tag match or something she tags in she starts working the arm okay great twists the arm puts it on the mat drops the leg on it we're doing good and then she stands up and just does a splash on the arm and i i remember seeing that and i went this make that made no sense whatsoever like <laughs> it, it it was 
shocking to me at how out of place that was. And it just now apparently Summer is a very nice woman, a very kind, very sweet woman that's wonderful and everything. But doing a body splash from I don't know a ninety-eight pound woman across the arm of another ninety-eight pound woman just does not seem like it would do anything, and it just stuck. <laughs> Maybe the leg would be a better option for that. It I could see it with the leg, but. Their arms were so small that it, we, like, since at the time so many of them had, you know, the 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 concave stomach area, it's like her hips and her ribs would have hit the mat first, so nothing would have happened to her arm, well, to the arm that she was splashing on. It's also dumb because, like, you're doing kind of a blunt force thing to something you're working, which is, like, fine pinpointing, like stuff or you know you're not even doing like when arn and Ole used to do that which i wish someone would bring that back where they would they would do the body slam but they would body slam them in such a way that they're slamming them onto their arm oh that hammerlock body slam yeah yeah oh i love the hammerlock body slam yeah it's such a I, good spot. i think i shared this before like well obviously like arn anderson would use it a lot when when i was a kid uh i didn't have why well, I, I mean the the old, well, was the LGN figures were like too damn big, and I only had like a couple of those. But the old like Hasbro uh, wrestling figures, like I didn't yeah. really have many of those. Um, but I had G, I had a ton of GI Joes, so I'd have GI Joes be my like wrestling figures. Uh, first <laughs> off, because they had way more articulation than yeah. in all sorts of ways. I then uh, I think any wrestling figure until maybe the last decade, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I use G.I. Joe's, and I would often do, uh, you know, I would do my own matches, and I would have my more technical wrestlers <laughs> always yeah. do, like, the hammerlock body slam. That's a favorite of mine. That's a, Cause, you know, It's a great visual. Yeah, because you know what you got to do, Shad, if you're going to target a body part, you want to use a hammer hammerlock uh, body slam. Absolutely. Your arm a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um so the Matt's free agent joke, I, I didn't make our regular segue gag off of it, but yeah. the rumor mill here lately was that Cody Rhodes, his contract lapsed and he was a free agent. And the, there, there are parts of the internet that went buck wild about Cody showing up at the Royal Rumble to go back to work for the WWE and be in the Rumble. And all I can think is, I don't know what you guys are smoking, but there is no way I see that happening. I, even even if even if his contract had expired, I don't actually think Vince and like Bruce and those idiots see him as a big enough star to actually do that as a surprise. Or they would resent him for getting over on his own, so they would bury him if he did show up. But like, where? But my question immediately was though. Well, and I think Meltzer brought up a good point that his reality show got renewed for a second year, so I think they're uh-huh. playing some of that up for fodder for the show. But um, my immediate question was, well, he's an executive there. I think that's just his performer contract, and if his performer contract expired, he would still be an executive he just wouldn't wrestle for them Mm. so i don't think that would work because i think i think a lot of those guys have two separate deals 
like the guys that get health insurance and stuff have office jobs that they're also on performance contracts. Like I think, um, I just don't think he was ever truly a free agent. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, this is dropping. This episode should drop on January 19th. Dynamite uh, on the evening of January 19th. Has, there's a Meltzer tweet that says Cody will be at Dynamite. Incidentally, Moxley is making his return at Dynamite. Good for Mox. I'm actually really happy for him for taking the time off for why he did when he did. He said neither one of them is going to be in the Rumble. <laughs> so, well, Moxley's contract probably doesn't even isn't even like up. No, mm-hmm. but him being gone for a while didn't stop people. Um, and it, I think he would. I think he would rather do nothing than go back to WWE, even for like a one shot. Uh, yeah, I think he would be very happy doing nothing as opposed to going back there. And that that was also dumb because I think that same weekend he's working the Hammerstein for GCW. Uh, you may be right. They're either a weekend apart or the same weekend, but he's he's working GCW <laughs> around that time, so I don't think he's so their um their big pay per view at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's this weekend. It's the Saturday. Ah. Or maybe it's Sunday, but it's this weekend. And so, uh, there is speculation from Meltzer because he went on the he went on the Observer show with with Brian Alvarez, and they were talking about that. And they were pondering if the reason they announced Moxley versus have it be like a surprise. I mean, you you kind of want to, I guess, announce things and promote them so that people tune in. But yeah, there was some uh, talk about whether they did that or needed to do that specifically because Mox is going to be on the the show like the pay-per-view the gcw show right so it's like they don't want to have you know this indie promotion have mox's first match back in like three months which are just his first appearance yeah i mean i get that but uh, apparently that show the live attendance is completely sold out Uh, so it's just like they're who whatever whatever eyes they'd be pulling into the pay-per-view i probably it's like 25 dollars on fight tv um, I'm tempted to buy it only because I'm not even, I kind of don't even care about the Moxley match. The match I, I'm most looking forward to on that is Effie versus Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> and it's like, that is a match I didn't know I needed in 2022, <laughs> but I'm excited about it now. Well, I think though, I think Meltzer's overthinking it. So there's a couple reasons I think they, they announced it. And I think AEW would actually encourage that one. You get a bigger crowd if you're GCW, but two, if you're AEW, and GCW's like, hey, look, we got John Moxley wrestling. That gets the AEW fans going, oh, well, that means he's probably coming back soon and starts mm-hmm. getting their engines revving for a Moxley return. Mm-hmm. So it, it has, like, benefits for AEW, too. Also, TNT, or Turner Broadcasting, whichever you want to call them, has given AEW down the road for, quote-unquote, surprise returns or debuts. So, like, no, promote it. So that you get people watching. Don't make yeah. surprise stuff. Yeah, they got a little pissed off about that Christian surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't really say as I blame them. Like ECW for a long time had to have a surprise every show. And frankly, the, it, it went from being there's a surprise to, oh, who's going to show up this week? And it became, you know, passe as opposed to you throw out, hey, Mox will be back on Dynamite on the uh, on the 19th and people are like oh oh mox is going to be back and you know they're going to tune in for it you know it, you're, you're building excitement it's not like 
you know, old school promotions, they'd cut a promo. Dusty's cutting a promo about, I don't know who's going to be their daddy, but someone's going to show up in the ring with me. It's like, no, because that could be anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not exciting. That could be anybody from Ric Flair to, to, you know, Steve the Jobber Boy. And you could still, oh, and and there's the Russo. No, no, it was technically accurate. Like, oh, screw you. You know, promoting it's the right move. They they usually, old school promotions usually did not go into the show that was going to have the mystery opponent be an actual mystery. They usually, like, unveiled it the week of. Yeah. Or I love I love the AEW's little snarky um, teasing the debut of someone repeatedly before they actually show up because they're they're promoting it but they're not outright saying it so there's just this little bit of question in the back of your mind about is it really but you got to tune in and see just to be sure yeah they do so. they, I think they handle their debuts fairly well because they just kind of do it. Like, even, like, the CM Punk one, like, people people really did point out that in all of wrestling, it shows how much people overthink all of wrestling, that it was such a novelty that he just showed up, cut a promo, and, like, no one attacked him or anything. Yeah. And they just let yeah. people have their feel-good moment with it. Mm. Well, it's... We have had, arguably, we had ab- about 20 years of WWE being the only game in town if you didn't have the right cable package or whatever. And it just seemed like they get off on, it's like, oh, it's your hometown, guess what? We're going to embarrass you for the heat. Or, um, you know, you know, all of their little tropes that they always do so that, you know, you always know this is going to happen, so it's not a surprise and in some cases, it's downright upsetting. And I'm perfectly fine. You know, it's like, oh, you know, this guy's big return. Who's going to show up? It's like, don't. Don't do that. Don't ruin the moment for everybody. But they, it's like they can't help themselves from doing something like that. So I think um, we talk about, I think Matt and you and I talk about it on this part of the award show where we talked about last week about our apathy towards WWE. I was mm-hmm. actually listening to Alvarez talk about the Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins match last night. Mm-hmm. And this is someone that doesn't watch WWE anymore. And like we, that's why we don't really comment a lot on their on air stuff because none of us watch really, but they're talking about it. And I, as soon as I saw the match, I said, okay, this is probably what's going to happen. And they talked about the match and like, not having really watched for, I don't know, since COVID started, like I was pretty dead on to how it was going to play out. Yeah, it's something we've said or something I know I've said. It's just I look, they've got good people working there. They've got good wrestlers that are there, but their style of promotion and booking and stuff, I am so tired of. I just don't want to watch it anymore. Well, yeah. my thing is, though, is, um, okay, I, I know I shit on Seth Rollins a lot. Like, let's let's put let's just put that to the side here. But if, if I had been watching WWE consistently for the last five years, how at this point am I going to get excited for Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins at all? 
Is this the time when I break out that stupid character idea I was planning on? No. I'm just saying that, like, even <laughs> even if it's going to be a good match, like, I feel like... I know they haven't done that match in probably, like, a year, but the first thing I thought, even as someone who hasn't watched in a long time, was like, oh, my God, they're doing that match again? I'm just... Because, like, I'm still, like, I still feel the burnout from, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff that they just would not get past. Yeah, I... That's the best way I can put it. I just... I'm just so tired of it. I just... I don't... I don't want to see that anymore. And they've got a style. The Brad and I were, were hashing this out a little bit right before we came on air. Of, their style is, for a long time, it's like we've got... This guy, we've got this guy and a very small number of guys around him at the top. And we run those stuff over and over again until we get a new guy to be at the top. And maybe we change up who's around. We run, with the exception of like the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of where they had so many talented people at the top, they had to rotate through them. But other than that, they've got that style of we've got the baby face in the middle or the the new Bruno San Martino I guess but he faces the same circle of guys repeatedly over and over again I've seen this song and dance over and over and maybe the names change but the style is the same enough that you know it it's like the bare naked lady song it's all been done and I'm I'm just I'm just tired of it and, like, I don't even dislike Bobby so Lashley, cat. but it's, like, it's just, like, man, like, it just feels like you've been doing the same stuff with him for, like, a year. And they're talking about, like, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric, like, ran in. I'm, like, didn't they have, like, a breakup last year and they're having, like, a breakup again? Like, I'm so yeah. confused. Like, it's just, it, like, did they did they put, like, the Hurt Business back together for, like, two weeks and break them up again or something? I think they did. I think I think they briefly got back together then they're you know it's gone again but i mean like, it's, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Matt. oh no I was, I, go ahead it's not as bad as like 2001 wcw where at the beginning of the show um rick steiner and sid were trying to kill each other and then at the end of the show they're teaming up to go after nash or something like that like it's it's not to that level of just schizophrenia booking but it's also, you know, so I'm not, it's not the worst thing ever. It's not the the most awful thing ever. We did blackjack brawl. We've been to the bottom of the barrel. All right. But mm-hmm. this is, this is, it's not the worst thing ever. It's just, look, man, you can only eat mac and cheese so many days in a row before you go, daggone it. Can I have an apple or something, please? Well, is it? Are we talking um, like Kraft mac and cheese? Or are we talking Velveeta like shells here? To me, there's it's not different enough to to warrant remarking on. I don't know, man. <laughs> I have to question your your differentiation there. Uh, unless you're getting like some some bougie stuff, to me, mac and cheese is mac and cheese. It depends. If you get go to a good barbecue place, you can get some good mac and cheese. You can. You can some nut, some white cheddar, high end mac and cheese is some good stuff. But maybe some breadcrumbs in there for some some crunch. Some bacon bits. 
And I don't like bacon bits in my, my mac and cheese too much. What are we even doing here, Brad? They have this place. Which... <laughs> they have this place here. Um, you can get it's called like a mac and cheese bowl, and it starts with mac and cheese, and then you can get like brisket in it, and like other toppings. It's delicious. There's a there's been restaurants in DC that kind of do that. I'm not. I, I don't really need that, but I like I like a nice like a uh, breadcrumb coating on top. Crumb crisp coating. <laughs> Crumb crisp coating. Show me a. Mac and cheese with bacon bits and all. Go down on you. <laughs> to, we've stretched the metaphor very pretty far. It's not fulfilling. Yeah, we, we've stretched the metaphor pretty far, but if it's mac and cheese all the time every day, as opposed to like, look, yeah, the some of the Codyverse stuff might be like bitter Brussels sprouts or something, but it's different. And I, I've... Uh, I spent way too long in the same to complain about some different. So I feel like the Codyverse stuff is our penance for actually getting good wrestling on a weekly basis. I gotta wonder. There's got to be some kind of payoff to it that that we're we don't see coming. I like that you're slowly turning on him, and you were like the last holdout. I'm not gonna turn on Cody. I'm not. I will never boo Cody Rhodes. I can't do it. No, this is gonna end but, with you. This is gonna end with like you turning and smacking him with a chair and like. Pulling your shirt up and having a low-key shirt on. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me! Um, but anyway, it's it's a weird... And this is not the only time you're going to hear about Cody this episode. Cause no. We, okay, we got started doing our year-end rewards, and my cat was mad, apparently, about how long they went. Um they went for quite a while, and frankly, that can be a rather daunting amount of time to sit through. So we broke them up. Yeah, and we're and, it just is like an aside. We're we're going forward. We're going to try really hard to keep things to an hour and a half and under an hour and forty five. Yeah, we're going to try, um, and we're we're working on the. Anyway, we're gonna be, we're gonna finish up the. Um, you know, we're going to finish up the awards for this episode. So, uh, you know, we would love to hear from you guys about our categories and our awards and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, hit our Twitter, hit our Instagram, you know, whatever. We, we would love to hear what you had to say about those. Or if you're like, hey, don't bring this category back or, or something like that. We, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yep. And just... um. For homework's sake, the the episodes coming out of this, we're going to be doing Transformers, the movie, as a review next week. And then um, we're finally pulling the trigger, and we're going to be doing the Bruno San Martino versus Larry Zbysko feud after that. Mm. All right. So, Matt, is there anything else you want to say going into the rest of the awards? No, I'm ex- I'm excited for the awards. I hope you guys uh, appreciate the, the choices we made. I think they're all pretty on par. Um, I can't. Did was it th- this part of the episode that we went into like a long, long form like Joshi discussion? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think can't so. It, it might have been last yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun one. Um, and then I'm excited actually for next week with uh, with Transformers. The movie. I have not seen Transformers the movie, the animated movie, in many years. So I'm excited that we're going to revisit that and kind of break it down. Yeah. yeah, and our friend Tim actually that was on one of his Tim recommends episodes on his mm-hmm. Open Airlock Policy channel. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy the rest of the awards. Mm-hmm. And um, 
We'll catch you next week for some Robots in Disguise. So our next category is going to be storyline of the year. Um, Matt, did you have one on this? Oh, what's the category? I'm sorry, I got distracted for a second. Uh, storyline of the year. Oh, uh, so I felt like they kind of got a little bit sidetracked because uh, because of real life uh, mm-hmm. issues. Mainly, Paige had a baby. Like he yeah. took some uh, some parental leave for that, but. I think the Omega Page or or Page versus Elite storyline to me was storyline of the year because and and really it's like a storyline that I had been building like two years uh, and there's t- like there actually is like it's it's multi it's not only like multi year but it's also multi there's m- multiple levels to it it has a lot of depth but to me like that was the storyline of the year yeah. Uh, they played up more like him going on parental leave uh, and kind of like the last third of the year while perfectly understandable. It did kind of like put the it, it put a little cold water on it. Uh, um, so so that's when you Matt, had you had. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm I'm agreeing with you on yeah. that. It, like, that's my storyline of the year as well. The rise of hangman page. but mm-hmm. He, I remember seeing discussions where it's like, no, he's going out for paternity leave. And the number of things I heard, it's like, oh, he's losing all of his heat and people aren't going to remember this and that sort of thing. It's like, you are, AEW draws a different kind of fan than a lot of people are used to. Yeah. And this is not going to be what you think it is. Uh, I'm sorry, please go on. No, I mean, I, I can see that. It did feel like he lost a little heat a little bit of his heat, but I did think he, he pulled it back. And I think his, his in-ring work has, has taken a step up. And I feel like by the end of the year, uh, especially the matches with, with, with Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, sorry, he, um, he kind of recovered things and has shown that he can hang with the elite people. Um, I feel like going forward, they need to have, they need to have a good storyline for him and good, opponents for him but i think that's kind of easy to do i they're they obviously are looking down the road at, at probably a feud with mjf and i would not be surprised if mjf takes the title from him down the road um i don't think that's that's going to happen yet um so i think they're going to give they're going to give page like a nice run i could see I think um so. i think in terms of like people that he could feud with uh, in the near term or in the next say six months, like you could have him feud with like Adam Cole. That'd be a, a good match. Like him yeah. still fighting the elite. Uh, I think you could I would, have, I would do. Um, so this is what I would do. I would have yeah. him lose the title to Adam Cole towards the beginning of the summer. So why I would do this is then that would be the catalyst to doing the elite versus undisputed era feud that they're going to build to, I think. Um, so the idea there is, um, and I've talked about this before, is slowly kind of have Adam Cole clean up Kenny Omega's messes mm. and have him beat guys that 
Omega lost to or could not beat. Interesting. Having I, I can see the undisputed basically kicking out the elite, and so you can have a face turn for the elite, but I don't know that I, I would want the elite to realign with Paige because Paige has kind of blazed his own path and and had his own story turn out that way that if doing that would feel like a regression. No, um, I wouldn't put Paige back with like to yeah. to reattach the bucks to him or something. No, I would I wouldn't do that. That the the Elite vs Undisputed era would be without Paige involved because you can okay. move Paige on to other things. I, I do think that they're wanting to give him a longer run to really, uh, um, you know, kind of uh, build things out. So the, uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. He just finished his amazing program with Danielson. So, Brad, what was your uh, storyline of the year? So, um, actually, mine is going to be Matt Cardona versus the Internet, namely um, GCW. Cardona versus the world. Yeah, so what what so he Ash, kind of um he got his release this year, right? I kind of agree right? with that. I kind of agree. <laughs> well, I was I was going to dig into feuds down in the feud of the year category, but uh we we can hit it here. That's cool too. Yeah, so um it was a lot of fun. I actually think he did a big he he was a big part of like what I would say is GCW's growth this year because I think um they supplanted PWG is like the indie promotion. They're very oh, much I, a different I, flavor, yeah. So they stand out. I completely agree. And like every GCW show is like an event now. Like you always hear something about an upcoming GCW show. I mean, like even um, what was Justin posting about today? It was Ali Catch versus um, Ruby Soho. That's what he was yeah. excited about. Yeah. yeah. So um. Really, so he won the title in the summer. He didn't hold it super long because I think Moxley beat him for it. Yes. But yes. he was he was posting a lot of like stuff. Um, he was really doing like that self aware thing of like what people think of him. Um, really playing into that hard, which led into the the Effie feud, which I had a lot of enjoyment of. I liked their match where like he's choking Effie with like a rope, and they're like, "Why isn't it working?" <laughs> <laughs> that was actually like hilarious yeah he was choking him yes and it didn't work because the the joke is like oh f he likes being choked so yeah he's immune to being choked i think it would have been funnier if he had like hulked up while he was getting choked <laughs> that that might have been hard to pull off um i know it's gcw so this might be a weird way hard to pull off remotely tastefully but um it's like it's like when you when you um when you try to throw a Samoan head first into the um the turnbuckle, everyone knows their head's too hard, so you know yeah, you that, don't choke Effie because um he's gonna get an erection. So that I'll go ahead and, and feed Oh and that he just got attacked by Jeff Jarrett, which also shows why. Yeah, that, GCW that goes to your, nuts. Yeah, that goes to your point about how like like GCW, there's always something going on that's creating buzz, and that it, it seems like a big, like a big promotion feel type thing. Like they're building up to a match with, you know, how old is he now? Like in his fifties, like Jeff Jarrett yeah. against Effie, and it's like people are actually into that 
that matchup and they think they want to see that i might actually buy the show that that match occurs on because it's got me interested and that's something that i think that gcw is doing really really well right now so i'm going to feed this into our um our next our next one because it's going to be feud of the year and my pick for feud of the year was matt cardona versus gcw cardona's very intentional trolling of of gcw the fact that he very you know he comes in he wins the title and he's like oh no this doesn't work this is this is just a world title it needs to be a universal title and he made it ugly as hell Mm -hmm. matt cardona went through like all of the steps of pissing off the gcw fan base in a way that leaves me absolutely cracking up because it was so good and wasn't it feels like, like it was tweeting that he need, he he wasn't sure if he needed a tetanus shot after like getting the belt mm. yeah yes I, the universal title that he made was neon green and purple and pink and the it didn't have snap closures it was velcro like this thing was everything that gcw fans would hate he he did all of this and honestly i'm convinced that his troll job and all this sort of stuff is really what spurred the gcw explosion mm-hmm. and he just he leaned into it with the biggest shit-eating grin in the world and it has worked perfectly his um... so his accusing Joey Janela of sending him doctored pictures of like Janela and Chelsea Green, and then in the yes. one he's holding the PBR just to like, just to make it even worse. Yeah. Oh man. Hey, for those not aware, like this this occurred like over the weekend because uh, they're setting up a, a Joey Janela Matt Cardona match in GCW, and they they literally replicated. <laughs> The Savage Flair WrestleMania eight, um, like storyline where it's like the doctored photos yeah. of Janella and Chelsea Green, and even including the pose where he they're they're at they're at the pool and you have Janella like on his tippy toes like <laughs> talking to Chelsea Green in a bikini. It's yeah. hilarious. And it's he's fantastic. got a and he's got a belt I don't think he even owns. <laughs> yeah, that he's wearing. Oh, it's 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 seriously so, so. This this feud is amazing. It it's actually it shows really like the creative side of like Bat Cordona. Uh, well, I, mean, I actually am in full agreement. He did um, that with his YouTube show, and then WWE punished him for it for the next decade. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he got over when he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, on his own. Matt, uh, Zach, uh, what are you doing with that fence? Why are you trying to climb? I'm just trying to get over, man. I'm I'm in full agreement with you, Shad. I actually would agree. Like that, that Cardona versus GCW is the year. Like he has, he started within within like the a few months. He started. He was infused with uh, he was infused with several different GCW workers, and everyone he you could argue like he 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 made it work, and he brought way more attention and uh, positive attention to the promotion. Like. He, Building feuds, building matches, getting people to buy shows—it was fantastic. Everybody um, wanted to see him dead. Yeah. Oh, when he had the brief time, he had the title. 
he was parading it around like but he even took the the fucking belt to, to disneyland and he's like taking he's like posting like instagram and 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 twitter photos where he's like walking around like smiling and thumbs up at at um at disneyland it's hilarious it was hilarious you know you know what this needs to end with is um matt cardona versus ron funches mm. who did funches wrestle this year with oh it was tony deppin that funches wrestled I I have to offer this with the caveat. I don't even really like GCW because GCW's I don't like deathmatch wrestling because there are lots of there are some people that can do it well, okay? Mox can do it well. Um Nick Gage can do it, but the problem is that there are so many morons that think that deathmatch wrestling is you just hitting each other with increasingly awful stuff that I am I, I I hate it because of what it does to the business as a whole if that makes sense yeah. and so you know it like you want to you want to that's fine it is not my thing but this this feud has been by Car- it has been a masterclass in Troll Heat by Cardona. But the the thing is, though, is I don't like it either, but GCW does a lot of stuff. There's a lot of creativity. Um, just the, the, the matches they pull out of nowhere. Like, just the, they'll just, like, bring in Hoovy for a show. Sure. Or like, and I um, get that, but they... They made like a lot of their name off the deathmatch stuff, which I'm not down with. Well, actually, they made a lot of their names off of like the the Joey Janela Spring Break and the Blood Sports, like their side ventures. They got a lot of of stuff out of. Um, but where I think they just like every every show, ha- like something happens that makes you talk, like Jeff Jarrett just attacking Effie, like stuff like that, mm-hmm. or the Briscoes showing up and. Um, winning the tag titles out of nowhere. But you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. I wish I wish they weren't a deathmatch promotion because it is not my thing, but it's also like they really are one of the best things going today. And and this thing with Cardona just made it bigger. So what, Matt, Brad, what's your feud of the year? So since that was my storyline of the year, I'm going to go with one we've also talked about in this show, but I'm going to go with Dan Housen versus the Ass Boys. <laughs> I probably liked your feud more, but I looked at the the other the Cardona GCW one and just admire it so much. But yeah, that's 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 great. Oh, I love that. I, I wish I wish when we we saw the the Gun Club at that uh, at that one convention, Brad. I wish that that had been a thing at that point. It was just starting. It was just barely starting. It had not it had not really gotten rolling yet. Yeah. All right. Our next category has finally got us due. The idea of you have you have someone who's after a long time finally getting. Uh, you know, the pat on the back, you think they ought to. And my problem is that I'm splitting between two people, but they're connected. So for me, the finally got his due is, is Biggie and Xavier Woods. Um, you know, finally getting some, you know, singles recognition for these guys that, uh, to be honest, I, I think that they should have already had. Cause I like, I like both of them 
a lot. Out of all the New Day guys, I like – Kofi's actually in the third place spot, not because there's anything wrong with him. I just like Woods and Big E more. But that's my – finally Kofi's got his never been my favorite. Kofi's good. He's, I like Kofi. I, he's never he's, been a worker I particularly like. I like Xavier – um, because I used to remember watching him back in NWA Anarchy when he was just starting out as Austin Creed. I remember him on Impact as Consequences Creed. Yeah, and he would come out in the Apollo Creed getup and stuff. Yeah, um, I loved that. And um, Biggie, I has really like he probably has the best personality in wrestling, and I really think he was a guy I had been beating the drum for for a long time. I thought should have been the WWE champion. Um, much earlier yeah but all right better rain um so what's so get getting their due is they finally got like their big moment is what yeah what is okay so um hmm. i'm gonna go with christian actually i think the uh, i think that's a good call because so so my point with this is wwe has never utilized him well um right he got a run in tna when they were kind of popular but i feel like that gets kind of um brushed aside because it's tna but this year he he main evented the biggest non wwe or non wcw pay-per-view of all time show that did two hundred thousand buys and you can say like all this other stuff was a reason it drew and it was because of punk and stuff but christian was was headlining the main event of one of the biggest shows of all time. Uh, I'm going to call it probably more of column a, but column B plays into it. Cause that, that match that, that Christian Omega had was so good that you wanted to see the next one. You wanted to see the follow up. Yeah. But yeah, he's my, he's my gets his due this year because he finally, he finally got to prove to everyone that he is like a star. So I have to, I, I missed, it was just in an era when I didn't watch it much, but I missed a lot of his WWE single stuff. And if I had been watching, I probably would have been mad about it because so much of it was with Orton. Um, he was so, super over for like all of his single stuff and they just would never, they never saw him that way. Well, it's, to me, Christian Cage in AEW is like rediscovering just something, you know, rediscovering a gold nugget all over again. But, um, all right, Matt, do you have a goddess do pick? So, it should be, in my opinion, it should be Big E. Hey, Matt, can you uh, hit your volume up? You're like super low. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, how about now? A little higher. A little bit more, please. Yeah. That's good. There we go. There we go. It it should be Biggie, um, mm-hmm. and I was incredibly happy when he won the world title because that's a guy that I think a, a lot of us have been saying like that's he's so charismatic, um, and he's a he's definitely like the a good enough worker. Like you could do something with him. Like you can you can push him as like a main star for like a, like a long term main star. Like you could make him like a, a big deal. Um, so they would be him, except that they then proceeded to like do what they always do, where it's like, uh, well, we had we we popped a, a number, and you know it was a feel good moment for like the night, but uh, we don't see him as a star. 
So we're going to put the title back on the guy we see as a star, which is yeah. like three guys. So it's not him only because like they they the company failed him and they didn't really they didn't really push him like they should have. They push um, him like every other Money in the Bank guy that wins the belt, which is like, <laughs> oh, this is just like a fluke and they're not really worthy of it. Now here, go wrestle the Miz for nine months. Until yeah, we give the belt yeah. to a real star. Yeah, so it's it's very frustrating. Um, so I'm not going to choose him. I'm actually going to choose a guy we already t- talked about, like Eddie Kingston, because I feel Eddie mm. Kingston for the last year has been getting really high profile matches. Um, and that kind of started in 2020 with his match with uh, Moxley. But he's been presented more as like, you know, a legitimate guy, a guy who can hang with the main eventers and has been presented very well. Uh, and use very well. So I'm gonna say, like, I I think he's finally getting his due. Like the dude, I I said this to you guys before, um, but with the AEW, like the figures that they're putting out, nothing makes me happier than Eddie fucking Kingston <laughs> is gonna have an action figure of him made, and that's gonna be coming out like in 2022. It's like the guy deserves it. Like he's he's phenomenal. He's put in the work. He's he's paid his dues. I'm glad to see him like get get just love and and attention. I would, I would, I agree with you, Matt. The only reason I didn't pick Eddie here is because I'm waiting for that big coronation moment for him. But yeah. I, I agree with, like, Eddie Kingston getting an action figure is, like, I don't think I even own any. Like, well, the only like wrestling action figure I would go looking for, just just to put another notch in the Eddie Kingston sales, to just be like, no, do more with him. But. uh I don't think that's that's going to be an issue, but um, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Next uh, category is favorite faction. So we'll start with Matt here. Chura, your favorite faction. Uh, this is tough. Uh, I I'd probably argue. I'd probably argue Dark Order, and okay. I, it's not because I feel like they have done like so much this year. Although they certainly, you could argue like Paige winning the world title is like a nice cap to them for uh, mm-hmm. for the year. But I feel I'm I'm basing that basically only on the fact that like through the the um, the BTE being the elite stuff that they've done. Like they are, they've been presented this year. They really have been hyped up as like comedy, kind of like a comedy uh, stable. Mm-hmm. But that actually worked. Like they, this year in twenty well, twenty one, like they became way more over because of their being the elite stuff, where they were really, really like hilarious figures. And that kind of that did start in twenty twenty, like in the interactions they were having, like with Brody and everything like that. You're forgetting but um. It's you're continued. forgetting um. <laughs> Bar- Bar- uh, Trent's uh, mother also being oh, Trent's mom. Sue. Yeah. The member of the Dark Order, yes. yeah. And the, my favorite from this was um, they're like when Anna J got hurt and like, no one could replace Anna. And then like Maki yeah. Ito's at the door like giving the double guns like, what's up, motherfuckers? And they're all like cheering. Maki! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to choose them. Matt, I have to agree with you because I I have loved I've really been enjoying Dark Order for a few reasons. Number one, yeah, they're they're fun. Like these 
they have some just absolutely fun guys to watch. Just we we uh, referenced it earlier, but them on being the elite where where um, Alex and Silver are pitching the new names to to Cole, all about the budge. You know that's fun, and Johnny Hungy and they they had their their split tees until um negative one and amanda came out there and i mean laid down the law like the it's a big group i'll admit and not everybody in the big group is going to be superstars but it does it is beneficial for everybody in that group to be in that group it is beneficial for all of them and it works, and they're over. And I bought a Dark Order patch. I'm just looking for the right jacket to put it oh, on. Get, yeah, because uh, I got one on eBay, and I sent you the link. I think we both got them because they were in the crate, and we wanted it. Yeah, and um, so you know, it's the only thing that I don't like about Dark Order is I would like to see them be a little more successful. But given everything that's going on in the company that they're in, I understand why they're not. They don't need it right now. I think I'm, they, with, I'm sure they will be in the future, but they just don't need it right now. I think with Alex Reynolds back, you're going to see him and Silver start to go up the charts. Yeah. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go different. Um, yeah. yeah. This is going to be a, a group that a lot of people probably haven't seen unless they watch the right things. Um, I think Matt is going to appreciate this pick, though. But I'm going to pick. Um, let's just say. Uh, Guys, you'd want to hit the town with because they're excellent wingmen. <laughs> so um, Peter Avalon, oh, Ryan Ryan Namath, uh, Caesar Bonini, Namath. and um, JD Drake, the wingman. Right until you said that last thing, I'd almost written in chaos for you, and then you're like the wingman, and I'm like, even better. They are. I don't. I don't watch every episode of Dark Elevated, but if I see them on there, like any combination of them, I always tune in because I love them so much. That that's a fun gimmick. It is. You know, I just read something that that was Christian's idea for them. Oh my god! Really? That's that yeah. makes me happy. That that really does. That thrills me. Status is basically just job or jobbers to this but it the most out of it it gets consistently entertaining yep and it's funny it's like like they don't need to be pushed to the moon it's almost like late stage w where you had norman norman smiley El uh, going norman out there smiley. and doing like doing like the big wiggle and yes. like being terrified whenever someone is gonna like do, commit violence against him, like things like that. Where it's like it's goofy, but it's goofy in a completely inoffensive way, and it is entertaining. And that's like basically what they do. Like they uh, they go out there, they wrestle, they get they do like funny stuff. It's a lot of comedy, but it's inoffensive. It's entertaining. Like they send the the, the fans home happy. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I I agree with that. With your choice, it's they are underappreciated, and I love them. Yeah. Yes, that's that's true. You you are absolutely right. All right, our next category. Um, I'm going to take the lead on this one, but this is reinvention of the year. Somebody who is has reinvented who they are on screen, and for me, that's got to go to to Miro, going from the best man gimmick when he came in, which I'm convinced was just a placeholder to get him on TV for a little bit 
to being the redeemer. Like I saw the promo that where he kind of switched over and he just was it Sabian that he just beat the piss yeah, out of? Kip Sabian. I mean that yes. was like that beatdown it was a wrestling beatdown, but it was kind of a scary one because it, it almost looked very authentic. And he you know what he did since then and what Miro became ever since and just dropping gold lines in his promos too. Like he, he, he wasn't on Kingston's level, but he was pretty close on the mic. The only, only two things motivate me in life, a vengeful God and a double jointed wife. It's just like, how do you know you're missing you come up with this? You're missing. The best line is I don't lay down for anyone except for my wife after in the hotel room after I win my match. Yeah. And just Miro's Miro went from this terror, you know, this scary killer in WWE to event to Rusev Day, which they didn't do anything with, to, uh, you know, divorced dad Russo with a pencil mustache to getting released and comes in and he's doing the streamer thing because. You know, like I said, I think it's a placeholder or he was just trying to be like, hey, just so you know, I do have a stream for you to watch now because I don't work there and I can do that. To being this just utterly terrifying presence on the show. And it was just, I mean, just excellent. What was his character on South Pole? Is he Big Bartholomew? Big Bartholomew. Yeah. Big Bartholomew. Also, um, he had his, some of his tweets and character have been really great. Like after the Kingston match, he's like, "Your balls have been redeemed." <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot all about that line yeah. from Kingston. Is redeemed these nuts? Yeah, which got made into a T-shirt also. But even his like, um, some of his like post stuff and there have been tweets with this. But like almost his like praying to God, asking like why he cursed him with like his bad neck and stuff. Like after Guevara oh. beat him. A body of a body of granite and a neck of sand. Oh, and that that's actually an underrated feud because it was it was him versus Jobber that they actually made a feud out of. But like him versus Fuego del Sol was an yeah. underrated like um, fun feud. It, it was it was a lot of fun. You're right. You're absolutely right. And they actually and it, had stakes because Fuego del Sol lost his car. Yep. His his. I love the description Excalibur used. He said this reasonably priced, uh, reasonably priced <laughs> affordable sedan. He's going to put it on the line. It's just like because <laughs> they they weren't going to say the 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 model of it or anything, but it was it was a Hyundai Elantra. But the reasonably pri- reasonably priced sedan for the TNT title. <laughs> Okay, that's that's my reinvention of the year. Um, you know that thing's just covered in splooge now because he and uh, CJ had a had a weekend with it. If he didn't just push it off a cliff, cause... I mean you've got to you got to violate it just to like oh well you know rub it in a little worse. I suppose that well, but Guevara uh, gave Fuego a new truck after he won the title. So oh, that is true. All Probably right. just stole Cody's truck and gave it to him. <laughs> That's why Cody's like pretending to be his friend now <laughs> to get his <laughs> truck back. So reinvention of the year. What do you guys have? Uh, I agree with Miro. I'm uh, I'm also going to agree 
Miro. I didn't really have a lot of thought uh, into this category, but Miro does fit. Like they, he started off almost like as kind of like a ball, the real best man type of gimmick. But then they, they had him turn on Kip, and then it was like all, all gas, like no brakes with with his redeemer gimmick. It was um, and he hasn't really been on a lot of AEW programming recently, but. Uh, so that's a that's a few which I would hope they go with. You don't have Miro lose too much, I guess, but um, they could easily slot Miro into like a main event feud and have mm-hmm. just be a monster that Page yeah. uh, overcomes. But like he's he's incredibly he's entirely believable in that role. If you keep, I think they're keeping Miro off TV right now just because it's going to be more. It doesn't hurt. He's not hurting him, and it'll be more special when he shows back up. But. All right, now we move. Uh, Brad, I think you'll take the lead here, but we're going to move to Manager of the Year. So this one's actually a tough one, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, probably do Taz. You got Taz? Yeah, because, like, so I, lo- I love Team Taz a lot, Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, I really like that promo where he went off on Punk. Mm-hmm. That led to the powerhouse Hobbs match with Punk, um, you know, just the stuff with like Hook and stuff that he was really facilitating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say him. He'd be my guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, Matt, do you have manager of the year pick? Uh, I don't feel like there's. It's sad to say that in 2021 there still wasn't a lot of. You could really say like a lot of managers. Uh, I mean, AEW has been better mm-hmm. uh, with ma- with pushing managers, but it's still like uh, I would say Don Callis. Don Callis was he fits the mold of like the old school manager who uh, interferes where he needs to be, but also hypes up the person that they are repping. Um, the only other person you could say like did a good enough, like a good job, a comparable job, would be like Paul E, but. Um, it's kind of like a different vibe style. So I would say Don Callis okay. for manager of the year. See, it, that's a really good pick. And it was when it came down to my, my choice, he was in the last two. Um, Heyman has been very good for a long time. But my problem is that Heyman's stuff hasn't changed. And so he no. would have won manager of the year, in, you know, for several years past probably. But now he's up against some new blood that's very different, and Callus was very good, but he wasn't – oddly enough, he wasn't around as much as the guy I ended up picking. I ended up picking Dan Lambert as manager of the year for reasons we already talked about because, look, Dan Lambert knows exactly what he's supposed to do. Dan Lambert is supposed to be a prick. Dan Lambert, you are supposed to hate him. You are supposed to want to see someone get their hands on him. And when they finally did the blow off, which, uh, to be honest, as a plunder match, it was fine. It wasn't great, but it was fine. But part of the benefit that we got is the payoff was Dan Lambert got beat up a bit. And so... You know, Dan Lambert was not afraid to draw real heat. Callus was drawing heat, but I felt like he wasn't drawing as much just because the fans respected Omega so much. But, oh, God, Callus, or Lambert was such a 
prick. And he was so good at pissing people off that I, 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 game recognizes game. I gotta, I gotta give him so much credit for that. And I don't know that he'd ever done anything like this before. So, God, he did a great job. Well, given a bunch of answers that we've had here, I think it's, it's pretty easy to guess next one's promotion of the year. Um, Matt, what you got for promotion of the year? Overall, uh, I would actually choose AEW, and I think I think this is actually like it's it's not particularly close, only because you can make arguments like WWE has made record profits, and they have, but co- like creatively, they are just incredibly stagnant and just not good. Um, doesn't matter if they make the most money because of their TV deals and things like that, but. I would not choose WWE. I would choose AEW because AEW, in my opinion, has been on fire. And the, their last two pay-per-views have been, you can literally legitimately make the argument they are some of the, they're two of the best pay-per-views that any North American wrestling promotion has put out there in the better part of like 30 years. Like, you, yeah. it, it's, you could stack, you can compare like the last, like All Out and, um, What's the one they just did? Full gear. Like yeah. you could, you can, com- you could compare those two with some of the best, like WWF from the '90s or WCW pay-per-views from the '90s, and they would match up. So I would yeah. say, I would say AEW. Like AEW, we mentioned it before, but AEW with All Out had the best pay-per-view buy rate for a non-WWE promotion uh, in like. I guess I think like 25 years, and they like, followed it up with the third highest too, because they because <laughs> yeah. um, Full Gear now, did like 145 thousand. Yeah, and that was based upon like you know like uh, hype that they built up. The the, the all out pay per view, you could argue uh, that that number pulled as big as it did, which was I think over 200 thousand. Yeah, because it was the the first return match of like of, of CM Punk. Um, right, and right. that's fair, but like the overall show was like fantastic. And it's 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 uh, disingenuous to say that that got the buy rate it did only because of Punk. Yeah, Punk probably uh, pushed it from like being like 120, 140 to 200. Like he had a big impact on it, but it's not like yeah. he was the whole right thing. See, Matt, I gotta agree with you, and. Just just in case we've got listeners out there that, that want to hear me try and be fair. This is not to say WWE has not had good matches on their mm-hmm. on their shows and stuff, but my problem is that they have an MO, and it feels to me like they've had that MO, the same MO, it, it feels like for like a decade now. It feels like since and, I was in college, they've had the same. Since Lesnar left the first time, they've had the same MO. I, yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far, but if I was going to say that, I, I'm not sure where I'd draw the line at. But I, it feels like they've just kind of been doing the same thing over and over again. And look, I'm just tired of it. Because there was no other easily accessible North American wrestling to get a hold of. It was just that. And it feels like they've been stuck in that rut for a while with names changing occasionally. 
and there's not it's not that there's people there uh, not people there I like I like a lot of the people that are there I just I don't like how they're presenting their on-air product and if we're talking just sheer money yeah they're the most successful but you know uh, you'd also be arguing uh, you know uh, what two three-year upstart versus a company that's been around in some similar form to what it is for what 40 years now of course they're going to have brand recognition and that sort of thing i just i gotta give it to aew myself i think um matt and i had this conversation i think you were involved too shad but we matt and i finally like touched on the wwe for us it's like apathy yeah I'm like just we, tired of like it. Like, we don't even hate on anything they really do. Like, we might say, like, why'd they do this? But it's really just the apathy. It's just like, oh, yeah, it sucks because they always suck. Like, they're, they're not even worth, like, getting upset about anymore. And even, like, even if you watch, like, um, like Alvarez talk about it now, like, he doesn't even get that upset about it anymore. He just kind of expects it. Yeah. I, I mean, if you, the paper, WWE pay-per-views... The wrestling is generally like good, and we've touched upon this before. It's like they have they actually they've been cutting people left and right, but they still have people who are arguably like the best in the business. Like they have people who are so talented that they can go out there and every pay per view match, like they can they could half ass it. They don't really half ass it, but they can half ass it and still usually put on a good match. And they do like the the pay per view matches, like the quality of the match generally is like pretty good it's just that like the creative is like bankrupt like every pay-per-view match that they have you can probably guess where they're gonna go because it's predictable and it's just like not exciting or really that interesting so the fact that's why like a guy like biggie winning the title like was a breath of fresh air it's like oh my god what are they gonna do with it and of course they did nothing good but it was a change up but it's it is like apathy it's like you kind of like don't care what they do uh and and contrast that with like aew where it's like every pay-per-view and sometimes even week to week on the on the show it's like what are they going to do like you're excited to see what they're going to do because you don't you don't know it's not necessarily like a foregone conclusion right and that's not to say aew hasn't had misses but they've hit more than they've missed Mm -hmm. and i i think for me where where AEW is so heavy in my my votes this year is, um, and this they're going to come up a little later, but like New Japan just like totally just falling apart last year um, is why I think AEW is like so heavy in my voting and why they're also like my promotion of the year. Mm-hmm. And like so... I think um, I think Game Changer deserves honorable mention, but like AEW just did it on a bigger stage and you know, really took a step forward this year, I felt. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, yeah. I personally feel that Game Changer uh, deserves an honorable mention because I think they've been fantastic for an indie promotion. They are probably, like, the indie promotion. Um, they don't always have the best matches, although they have they have good matches. Like, they're, they're kind of, they've kind of hit that, like, CZW uh, spot where there is deathmatch stuff, but not every match is a deathmatch yeah. match. It's like there's a lot of like non-deathmatch wrestling in there, which is something that if you if you're going to be known as a deathmatch promotion, like you really have to 
you really can't do that. You can have like one, maybe one to two death matches a show, unless it's like a specialty show. But you can't do like every match a death match because people get burned out on that. But one or two like a show is fine, and the rest non death match. Um, they deserve uh, they deserve kind of like a a spot is like an honorable mention. I would actually give it a one more honorable mention for promotion mm-hmm. of the year. Um, I I give it to AEW, but the honorable mention is actually to a Joshi Fed, and that's like Stardom. Stardom. I've been trying to watch more Joshi uh, mm-hmm. recently, and Stardom is having the matches are phenomenal. Like if you actually watch a Stardom, like pay per view, certainly. It's the quality of the wrestling is as good as any like men's promotion that is out there. And, and they, they've benefited heavily <laughs> from um, the was it Bushido Road that bought them? No, who bought them? Bushi Road, yeah. Bushi Road. The the you can see like how much because they said their subs last year went up by like think 60% and you can just see the money come like them finally having like finances behind them you can see mm-hmm. like the huge difference that's made in the mm-hmm. promotion they yeah they um the quality is like great uh best main events of probably any promotion like consistently like if you oh if, yeah if you're watching a stardom show and the main rolls around you know you're getting like four stars at least yeah uh, they just had recently, like the last month, they had a pay-per-view, uh, and it was the main event was uh, Siuri. Uh, she won the Wonder of Stardom Championship from uh, Yutami Hayashita. Well, Hayashishita, I, I, some of the Japanese names I, I have difficulty with, but Yutami. Uh, she won the title from that. Uh, that's that is a match that is as good as any North American main event for any promotion that you could watch. It's like phenomenal, like, like, like five-star level matches. And that's, they've had several really, really fantastic matches in, in 2021. They just did, this is more like a 2022 thing, but they did like a free show, uh, like a new year show that is actually, I believe up on, I believe it's still up on for free on their YouTube page. And, it's interesting and it's setting up a lot of stuff and it, it includes like Julia uh, bringing in two new Julia is like one of their big uh, workers so she brought in two uh, two Joshi people who I think are from, from Ice Ribbon and they kind of now come over and they've teased it seems like she has her own faction because the thing about Starden is that most of the women are in factions and Odo so Tai is like mm-hmm. their long running like that's kind of the heel Gaijin faction. Yes. Uh, that Ototai is actually fascinating because they are like, they're one of the bigger uh, of the factions or stables. And they don't, I guess, have an official leader, but it kind of is unofficially. Oh, it's, um, Kid. it's, um, it's what's her face that that woman assaulted is the, like, kind of their. Yeah. Leader. She's like the official leader, but. Uh, she doesn't really wrestle. No, she can't because that woman yeah. injured her so bad. She just usually, um, she gets involved sometimes, and she's usually mm-hmm. like drinking. Yeah, the um, the basically like the unofficial leader because she's the one who like cuts all the promos and everything is Starlight Kid, 
and if certainly if you watch like this free show that's up right now like to me it's clear foreshadowing that i don't know if they're i don't think they're going to pull the trigger necessarily in 2022 but they have big things planned probably for starlight kid because if you watch this i mean the, the promos are in japanese like I don't understand a goddamn word if of you, it. If you get the streaming service, they mm. they um, subtitle all the promos. Mm, okay. So like even uh, like the backstage, the end ring, they subtitle all that. Like the 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 streaming service, I think is ten dollars now, but it's super worth it because they they try really hard to be English friendly. Yeah. And um, they like I said, like you can watch the subtitle promos. Yeah, and Starlight Kid is kind of like they're kind of I think going to push her to be a main star there. I mean, she's already arguably like a really main star there, but I think that when I mean that, I mean like I could see her easily down the road becoming like the main person, like winning the championship, uh, being the main focus of the promotion. And she's someone who, again, Japanese promos, you know, I don't understand what the hell she's saying, but the charisma like oozes off her and comes off like really clear. So it's an exciting promotion. I think they had like a really fantastic year. I'm excited for like what's going to happen this year. And so they have they, there. They have almost an embarrassment of riches when it comes to like young talent. That's oh yes, good oh, and that they're pushing yeah. like because you didn't even mention like some of their big ones like Jungle Kiona and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie, I think it's like fantastic, and she's being pushed as a main star. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they they really. That is one of the rare instances where a big corporation bought like an upstart company like that, and it's totally benefited them though, because you can just see like the cash, yeah, helping them. All right. Uh, so our next category, we're coming up on the end here, but our next category is going to go to a most improved. Uh, Brad, who did you have for uh, most Jungle improved? Boy? And it's not even. It's not even close. I, I'm with you. For me, it's Jungle Boy as well. We kind of touched on why earlier. Matt? I I would actually agree, too. Uh, I do think it's Jungle Boy. He's improved a ton. Although, I do actually have... I have an honorable mention. Okay. Um, someone who I think actually has improved like, tremendously. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is actually going back to Joshi. Uh, not Stardom, but Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, Maki Ito, we mentioned her earlier in the podcast. <laughs> uh, the spots, she, like she only did like a few shows with AEW earlier in 2021. Yeah, but in ring, uh, she wasn't that great. Like no. she was okay, but not great. Um, in the last few months, I feel like she has improved like tremendously, um, both in ring and also like with her character. Uh, and it, it helps that she's been having matches with. Uh, uh, let me let me actually look up her name so I can get it correct, pronounce it correctly. Because again, I I struggle with the Japanese. Um, let me look it up really quickly. Oh, okay, Miyu Yamashita, who is actually the champion right now in Tokyo Joshi Pro, and that's they've styled it where it's like they were. Like rival, they were they they started together. They were friends, and then they earlier this in the course of the year, like they became rivals because my Maki was uh, challenging for the title. She did not win the title, but since then they've become like they like rekindled their friendship, and they've been like doing tags and stuff like that. So it's it's almost like a 
like a weird like <laughs> a weird Shawn Michaels, a uh, Big Daddy Cool type of is is that the one friendship. where is that the one where is that the woman she was wrestling where like she um she gets head kicked she struggles to her feet just just enough to give her the double finger and then gets yes. her head kicked into oblivion yes. and um <laughs> she earned uh, her respect because like she like just of the gall of doing that yeah yeah okay. yeah. That's really. probably their biggest star is Yama Yamashita. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's the she's the champion and she's she deserves it. Like she's fantastic in the ring. Um. So that's that's she's really improved a ton. Um, TJPW is an interesting promotion. Like it probably has, like, for if you want like a character work promotion with where the wrestling's mm-hmm. still good. Like, cause even stuff like even like some of the side stuff there, like the magical sugar rabbits are fun. Yes. And, and um. <laughs> Like that, they were like a super team, but they didn't like propel them right to the belts. Like they had them like work their way up and stuff. Like they, they have a lot of fun um, characters. It is. It's it's a it's a fun promotion. Um, the ring work is not bad. Um, it's not. It's, it's not Stardom or Ice Ribbon. It's it's not Stardom. Um, I don't. I haven't seen enough Ice Ribbon to really comment. Ice Ribbon's that. really Stardom. good in the ring. Like when you get to like top. Stardom is is miles in a way the better of the two promotions but tokyo joshi pro like there is good wrestling there and they have like really the character work there is probably well starting the character work is really good but tokyo joshi pro it's more i don't know how to describe it it's almost like i would say it's like it's more like light-hearted than stardom stardom uh can be very fun and light-hearted but it also like it plays it more seriously whereas tokyo joshi pro is more not honestly tongue in cheek, but it, there's more characters that are less serious, but yeah. it's still it's still fun. The magical sugar rabbits are fun. Um, uh, Miyu Yamashita, which I mentioned, she's a fantastic worker. It has people like um, Yuki Kamafuki, who she's just like she's basically like model good looking. She's really entertaining. Yeah. Um, but they also have like really funny uh, comedy stuff. Like they have, have you seen like Palm Harajuku? Yeah. Yeah. She's like more of like a comedy worker, but she's fun too. They, they just have a lot of uh, characters that have a lot of personality and, and, and are fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed a lot. And sometimes you even get, feel like the big shows they've even like experimented with, I think they're Scottish. They have some Scottish guys do commentary like every great once in a while. Oh, uh, the English commentary team, I don't know if it's like for every show, but it's uh, Chris Books, Chris Brooks, sorry, um, who does a lot of stuff with DDT. And uh, who is it? Um, Balin, Balian, Is it probably Aki? the guy that used to be Kid Lycos? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> it's Balian who... I think is with like Choco Pro. Okay. He does a lot of stuff with um My Saruga, who was in he she was briefly in AEW with Emi Sakura, and then she came back to Japan like okay. before her tour was supposed to really like be up. But um the she's like tight with um with Balian Balian. God, I, I need to look up his name. Uh, but they they've been doing like English commentary and. It's actually good commentary because they're like super knowledgeable about the workers and we'll talk about them. It in really a way helps that... you because the, the thing the thing with Tokyo Joshi, <clears throat> if you can get the English commentary, like a lot of them 
Um, especially like the the one that's from France that has her like um, servant with her. Like some of them have very like complex backstories. Yeah. Like there's one lady that's like her her gimmick is like she's from like the French aristocracy. That's. Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. That's well, her servant is is my um uh, her name's like my saint michelle in that gimmick yeah uh but the saki is like the saki sama she's the one who's playing like the french aristocracy and the the russell princess show that they did in september october uh that's where they had like they actually had like a fantastic entrance where it's like she came out there was like this rotating chair and she, like a throne and she was sitting on it. And then you had like my Saruga, like being like dressed up like a French maid costume. <laughs> and it was actually like fantastic. The character work is really good. And they even have like, there's like a tag team there that they struck up mm-hmm. a friendship going to big Japan matches mm-hmm. and real. And they bonded over their love of death match wrestling. So they started tag teaming. Like they they have a they have like a real, like some of them have it's a very if you if you can get the English commentary like I said it has a there's a very rich um behind like lore to it if you want to go in that direction with it. Yeah, it's a it's a fun promotion. Yeah. Um, All right. So that was us talking about Jungle Boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we talked about we him so talk much about earlier. Him earlier. Yeah. Though, so. Next spot, we have Rookie of the Year. Um, I'll go ahead. Only one answer for this. Yeah, well, because I got to thinking about this and I, I, I had to go do some looking. I'm like, okay, who qualifies as a rookie? And then I was like, well, okay, so like Dante Martin started wrestling back in like 20, started training in 2016. And so, you know, he's, it's his first time on a national show, but. Is he as much a rookie? And it's like, no, he's really not. Um, so I I feel like I, I my hands are tied. Rookie of the year goes to Bronson Steiner, a.k.a. Braun Breaker. Yeah, though I don't agree with them putting the belt on him this early, but I no, mean, he's I don't either. Rookie but, of the year. Um, where, do you, where do you go with him now that he's had the belt? Yeah, that's part of the problem is what what do you do with him now? He's he's already hit the top spot in in the eighties model of NXT we're getting now, I guess. I don't it's know. The mid nineties model. I mean, because you could even like you have you have a North American belt and tag titles. Why why didn't he work up to it over like a couple years? Because I don't. I mean, if you're bringing him up to the main roster in like a year, you're really doing him a disservice. He needs like he's really good. Like let's let's just get that away. He's really fucking good, but like if you want him on the main roster in a year, like no. The, yeah, this is the honestly that would be way too fast. They are moving way too fast with him. And <clears throat> on it, I like the you know, the guy's strong. He's got a good look. You know, obviously he's got a wealth of people he can draw on for feedback. Not even that are in the system. You know, he, he can go talk to his dad. The reason that he can't use the Steiner name is because Scott 
holds the WWE related trademark on the Steiner name and he's not bending on that. So And he's got that he's got that second generation wrestler thing where he he's got a lot of those intangible like skill sets that take some people decades to build up like his basic grasp of psychology and and selling and things that don't necessarily come naturally to people he's already got that pretty well yeah there's there's some stuff that you uh, that that's part of why second generation superstars are are so um sought after is because they they end up picking that stuff up so much earlier so their starting floor is higher than everybody else's. Like they, they start, they start at a higher levels, which means they've got a higher potential ceiling. Um, I, I, but they don't need to be calling him up to the main roster anytime soon. Not, not even remotely. The guy needs, the guy needs, you know, some time to, you know, mature some more, but Matt, were you on the same boat? I was say I think Brock Breaker. Like I, I can, I can agree with like the criticisms about pushing him too hard, too fast. Mm-hmm. But the guy has uh, really like if you want to, you have to probably go back to someone like Kurt Angle in terms of like like the raw ability this guy has, like so young. Which is kind of impressive that he's got it here and instead of having to go to the Olympics early, but you know. I think I think he. I mean, it's WWE. I have like no faith. I'm not gonna screw it up in some way, but um, like I think there is a lot of potential there. For you turn yourself back up a little bit again, Matt. Yeah, uh, you sorry. got you. Um, you're quiet again. Yeah. Uh, I don't trust the WWE. Yeah. But I do think there's a lot of potential that he could be a huge star in the business. So. I kind of see him as that uh, guy in five years that's going to be, like, a big deal somewhere else. He might be. But uh, I don't know yet. You know, we'll have to see what happens. Um, So this is going to move over to something Brad alluded to earlier, and that's worst promotion. Um, So, Brad, why don't you go ahead and... So I know what everyone's thinking, um... What, that we're going to go for the low-hanging fruit here, but I'm actually going to go with a promotion that screwed over um, one of their talents finally getting their big moment this year. Um, they treated their talent miserably, were particularly gigantic failures when it came to COVID protocols. I know you're still thinking what I'm going with, but you're wrong. And also took an awesome title with a long lineage and threw it away for a butterfly. So... Um, New Japan, I never thought I'd say this, but you get my worst promotion of the year for overall sucking, screwing up Kota Ibushi's, like, what should have been his year, doing the stupid stuff with that world title belt, giving it to Will Ospreay, and then getting a bunch of your talent COVID-infected because you weren't taking it seriously. Like, so you get my worst promotion of the year award. I'm, I'm in a place where... I don't even follow New Japan that much, but the truth is, I, I'm look. WWE has done some stuff not good, and they've done some stuff fine. Uh, but 
this is not a you know it, for the most part WWE has just been kind of samey stale as opposed to just being bad so you know it, we had talked about it some Brad brought me around you know if I'm going to pick worst promotion yeah yeah it's it's going to be New Japan like you you have you have brought me on board Brad the Kota Ibushi thing really stings because New Japan had been falling off and that was actually keeping a lot of people watching was yeah. to get to finally see his big moment Matt, I would, um, well, I was actually going to argue like the ring of honor because, oh, <laughs> they, they, I mean, they're, they're allegedly reopening like April 1st yeah. um, for WrestleMania weekend, uh, which I didn't think was actually going to happen, but otherwise it's like a company that for all extensive purposes, like folded at the end of 2021. Um, and just in general, I think was doing a bad job all around, but oh yeah, definitely. You kind of like you kind of like won me over to change the answer because I forgot I forgot in New, well in New Japan I feel like it, it's been so hurt by the pandemic that they have kind of like in many ways like creatively and also like from a from just running shows they've been really hurt by things that they've become almost like an afterthought to me but I actually would have to agree with you guys because I forgot like the first the first third of the year, like how they fuck things up. Cause it's like, I understand that the pandemic is kind of screwing things up, especially with attendance, but you have Koto Ibushi who is not even like a young dude. He's like in his late thirties. It's like, you need to give this guy like his big run, like now, I don't care if it's a pandemic, like run with it and get people invested in him and the promotion, etc. And they steamrolled right over that to put the title on fucking Will Ospreay, who dropped it almost immediately through allegedly like injuries. But it also seems like there's some weird like chicanery going on behind the scenes. I, I and stuff I don't think he is even wrong about because I think he bolted the country because he got like COVID exposed and all that stuff. And yeah, like, as I mean, soon as he could. He, he got out. Yeah, yeah. It's just been a lot of like weird shit that they've been doing with people, with workers, and it, it just seems like it just seems like mismanaged this year. So I'm hoping they can break out of that for 2022. But I actually kind of, I think he won me over. Like, I worst promotion would almost go to them, hands out for just for like botching Kota Bushi. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. <clears throat> like. You could make the argument for Ring of Honor, but the the flip side of that is Ring of Honor went down because Sinclair pulled the plug on him. Ring of Honor kept paying their talent even when they weren't running shows. They kept paying them as their normal stuff. So as far as I'm concerned, that's going to go a long way to taking them out of a bottom slot. So, uh, yeah. Yep, New Japan. Actually, ROH during the pandemic probably did the most right by their talent and then paid the price for it. That's yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah. So this is going to bring us to our last category, um, and that's the most hated wrestling-related thing of the year. Oh, um, I, I, have, I have answers for this. All right. I have a particular answer. Um, 
uh, if you guys don't mind, I'll go ahead and, and, and throw mine here. I think Matt and I are going to agree, so we'll let you know. Okay. Go. So the thing that I hate the most this year, and some of this it may just be off perception, but the thing I hate the most have been the WWE releases. Because mm-hmm. we're not just talking about like, well, you know, we're not doing anything with you, so we're going to cut you loose. But some of these releases have seemed almost malicious. Some of them have seen are, are are callous in such a way that it almost seems like intentional. Like Alice in Danger gets signed, picks up her whole family. I think it's Alice in Danger, right? Moves yeah, from um, Las Vegas to Orlando. Um, well, what's her what's her first name? It's something Carino is her real name. Okay, moves to Orlando with her kids. Alice in Danger. Yeah. Yeah. Gets cut a month later after she's uprooted everything all the way across now on their on her kid's first day of school there. That and and why? Nobody had an answer why. They just did it. Um Is that they, what Lenny Leonard was going off on on Twitter that yeah. one day? Yeah, when when he wasn't being specific about it. Yeah. Okay. That's that's who it was. There are people who were in the middle of actual programs that just got cut because they did. There were people. There were so many releases that happened for a reason nobody can figure out. That it is, you know, it is staggering. Like, if I'm torn between, it's just callous disregard of cutting, looking down the roster and cutting names off, or. It almost feels like it's it almost feels intentionally malicious. And I I'm not uh, attributing that to anybody in particular, but some of the stories about who they cut and when they cut them and that sort of stuff. It's just like, wow. And or the people that they're cutting for that are a huge loss for the cutting William Regal. That seems all retaliatory against Triple it, H. Like, it's yeah, it's 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 a political move of cutting out everybody who who Triple H had brought on. But William having William Regal around as an agent just seems massively valuable to me for the petty reason of oh, you know, that was a that was a a hunter hire. We're getting rid of that. Like there's just so many things about these releases that Baffle, confuse, or piss me off. That like I, Scott I just, Armstrong? I, like, why did they get rid of Scott Armstrong? Yeah. Well, okay, remember, Scotty Too Hotty intent, like, bailed because of the releases. He looked around, he was just like, nope, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm out. Like, but the number of people they just cut because I guess they are, then there you go. And it, I... Look, it's the wrestling business. Some people are going to get cut. They're going to move on. They're going to go somewhere else. That's fine. That's part of it. But the way and the timing of how they've done it and that sort of, it, it it's just awful. And then they cut so many women off the roster. They don't have enough, like we said earlier, to actually have a Royal Rumble. So they have to go and try and contract people from their competitors. What? The hell. But like, but like, what is a? But some of them, I think, are really heartless. Like, what? What's? What's a guy like Road Dog supposed to do now? 
That was another hunter hire. But like, but he's, I don't he's, know. He's what? Like, he's in his early fifties. Like, he can't wrestle anymore. Nope. Like, he can't. Is he going to go get a day job now? I doubt it. And he probably like thought he had a pretty settled life because you know, yeah, he did do other stuff, but he's been pretty. You know, he's done a lot for them over the last decade. I mean, he's been kind of an idiot as well, but... But, I mean, not not in regards to... But he was to towing the... the company line. Yeah. So, yeah, cutting cutting loyal people is never a move that that sits right with me. I'll admit that, but... I, I do look forward to... Um... I think it's. I think we're due for it in May. Is the Walt Disney um, with two E's, not a Y, um, release that's called, that's imminent now that uh, Walter is getting called up to the main roster. Oh God! Yeah, let's wait for that. I think the problem is it's Nick Khan, and he thinks like this is Hollywood, and you can just chuck people with nary a care. Well, and what's going to happen is they're going to go through and do all this and people are not going to want to go work for that company anymore. Well, um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but my per- we should probably do an episode where we talk about this more in depth, but I think they're selling. I think they're going to look for a buyer. I think they can find one. And this, this reeks of company behavior of they're maximizing their profits by cutting out everything that you need for like long-term sustainable um, yeah. health to make for short term so gain. you're saying that you're saying this is a venture capital move yeah matt what were you gonna say i i agree with brad like i do think i i did start 2021 thinking that what they wanted to sell but i ended the year thinking that's exactly what yeah each, they, each, they want i think that they want to sell <laughs> each subsequent release just makes it more apparent because like they're going to be down to like five hours of roman on tv every week yeah. Well, and Freddie Prince Jr. had an interview where he claimed that they were going to try and sell to Fox, but it didn't work. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know why he would have reason to lie about that. And if if he's being honest about it, then, I mean, that just makes the writing on the wall that much more clear. I think I think they tried to sell it on the last TV deal. Yeah. And I think I think the peacock move is like the the start of it. Mm, and okay. I think Universal is going to end up buying them unless Disney is somehow sweeps in and like scoops them up. Oh god, a mouse shaped championship. Yes. I, right. And I really think you want Universal to end up with them because I think Disney would fuck it up horribly. Yeah. Like it would make it would make what they've done with Star Wars look like a masterpiece. Can you can you imagine focus group testing wrestling? Yeah, like it would be terrible. So, what about you guys? What's your most hated thing of the year for wrestling? Um, do you want to go first, Matt, or do you want me to go? Uh, you go. Uh, Cody. Um, he really cemented that with winning the belt from Sammy, which really mm-hmm. just was like one of the most fucking tone deaf. Well, I mean. Among a litany of tone-deaf things he's done this year, that was perhaps the most tone-deaf thing he's done all year. I would probably agree, but I'm I'm still at the level where I'm just kind of confused by what they're doing with Cody. Um, 
it seems like they're trying to go with some like too smart for its own good meta storyline with him uh and i know like people like brian alvarez have like they pontificated about this but it, it seems like he seems kind of confused, but it's also like he's making the argument, which might be something to it, where it's like Cody's actually a heel. He's just a heel who doesn't doesn't believe or recognize that he's a heel. So he continues on acting as if he's a face, but does things that are designed to basically get heel heat on him. Um, but I don't know. Like That seems like too clever by its own half. But you, I, need the, I, you need the audience to realize that's happening, which I don't think so. <clears throat> You yeah, need, I mean, I. You need to not have X Pac heat for that to work too. I, I at this point, I am just confused. Like, if that's the way they're going, I, I don't, I don't know why they're going the way they are going about it with it. But um, I've expressed before, like, I don't, I don't dislike Cody. I actually still, I think he's a good worker. I, I still like the guy, but um, they, they do things with him that it almost seemed like designed to, to draw heat. And it's things like him basically kind of winning the Malachi Black feud at the end of the day, like to me, make no fucking sense. Um, and that really hurt Malachi Black too. Like he's not recovered uh, from that. I I don't know if I entirely agree with that because I think they I think they're still doing stuff with him that I think he can recover easily, especially with some of the promos and him. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him next. Like that's the that's the problem. Like he could easily recover if if they build like a faction with him, which it seems like they're going to be doing with like House of Black, and he's presented as a real threat, which I think that they can easily do. I don't know, uh, but I don't know if they're going to like if they if they do that, then it's all good. But it's like I still don't think like he Malachi Black should have lost that feud or or beating Sammy. Like why did you do that? Like he just had his big moment, like a couple months ago and you're already like jobbing him out like that was just asinine to me like i i i kind of don't mind that just because i think sammy's run wasn't really memorable no but he really Uh, didn't get time though either kind of but i also don't feel like the matches he had were like really something special Uh, his his jay lethal match was really I don't know. I'm Good. not entirely sold. So if you're gonna if you're gonna take the title off him, like that's okay. But it's like you're gonna take the title off and to, to put it on Cody. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. And, I'm not against. I'm not against taking the title off Sammy, but um, Cody is not who I would have done. I would have rematched him and Lethal and had Lethal take the belt. Well, it's Sammy. For spoilers, Sammy just won a match where he's now the interim title because cody is out they won't say why but i mean they've all but said like he's been out with covid mm-hmm. uh so they're le- they're building up to like a, a unification match where it's like the the interim title is going to get unified with the tnt title so if if sammy re-wins the match i have no idea what the fuck this title thing was about if Cody wins it, it's like, okay, what are you going to do with it? Is he going to hold the title for a while? Like, are you going to have someone else be Cody? Uh, oh, and a stupid TV show has really hurt him too. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I don't like about him most. It's like, I, we've, I've talked about this before. It's like the fucking pageantry. Like, I don't need you to come at your, 
and that kind of goes to where it's like he's a heel who doesn't know he's a heel because he comes out it's like people are kind of like over him because he's almost like a part-timer and he has his fucking tv show and it's like he comes out there the smiling baby face i'm gonna dress as like uh my fucking comic book character outfit and people are just like what the fuck is this uh, the pageantry is like really taking me out of things. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Cody. It's 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 a confusing thing, where it's like if he's a heel, I'll just have him be a heel, and have him be, even if you want to have him be like a heel doesn't realize he's a heel, like have him be like over the top with it, where it's like it's not ambiguous anymore. Like he's just an asshole heel, who thinks he's like a great person. Like back in the day, this is like a weird comparison, but back in the day, like JBL was clearly a heel. And he would go out there and he'd be like smiling, like waving to people and like talking about how great everything was. And it's like he's a heel, but he would he would play it up like he's like, oh, I love like I love the fans love me. I'm amazing. Like if you want to have him, Cody be like that, where it's like he's, you know, he's winking a nod like I'm not a heel. I'm, I'm Everyone loves me. I'm a good guy. And it's like, OK, and people can buy into it, but it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I don't, I don't fully buy it. I'm in a place, I have to admit, um, I can never boo Cody Rhodes. I just can't do it. Um, especially uh, with all of the backstage stuff and the stories and uh, the story with Brody's family and everything. I, I can't boo Cody Rhodes. I can't do it. But... I'm concerned that what they're doing is that they are trying to be too damn clever with whatever it is they're doing with Cody right now. And it, it's not working. Um, this was something I learned in a few different, uh, you know, in wrestling and in some other things that I've done that involve, you know, group storytelling is if you're trying to be too tee clever doing something, people aren't going to pick up on it. And if they don't pick up on it, it's not going to work. So, you know, whatever whatever their, their storyline is, they need to make it more obvious. Because you've, you've got an arena full of people, and if it's going over even half their heads, then it's not going to work. So just... Just make it more obvious. I'm not sure what they're doing, but again, I can't. It, it's it's kind of like the the height of Super Cena. Like Cena, the guy, great person. Cena, the character, not down for. But Cody, the guy, I like and respect so much that I I can't actively boo the character. It's, if that makes any sense. It, it's also. You should. Your angle is going wrong if, if like three guys with about a combined like eighty some years of wrestling watching experience are kind of scratching their heads, going, I don't know. Like <laughs> I think this is what they're doing, but I'm confused by it. Like, yeah. Like you're talking about seasoned watchers that have watched a lot of wrestling. Like if we're kind of just like speculating, like I can't imagine what other fans are like thinking. Yeah, it's it's and not working, but Brian Alvarez is having to pontificate on it. Yeah, that's that's true. So, Matt, is that your most hated of the year as well? Kind of, yeah. Cody, although I do agree, like the the constant WWE 
releases are just in real life like pretty shitty. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and um, before we go, can we can we talk about a tangentially related wrestling topic for just a couple of minutes? Yeah. What's up? So it is with great sadness that um, former commissioner of fun for Chikara Boxing uh, yes. passed yeah. away this weekend. Yeah. And he legitimately did do like a video because Matt posted it for us. But he was, I think, the first commissioner of fun. And I think Dave Coulier was his replacement. <laughs> that um, On one hand, it couldn't happen anywhere but Chikara. But on the other hand, that just fits perfectly for Chikara, you know? Also, um, probably a guy that um, the most miscast um, sitcom dad ever. <laughs> supposedly there's a story that he had a story about they'd be working on full house and they would do a take and he'd he'd be like holding it back through the whole thing and then when they yelled cut he'd just blurt out something obscene because he couldn't handle he couldn't handle it being so squeaky clean but um you know what's you know, funny is he um he actually had a big comeback in the 2000s because of the Aristocrats movie. Yeah. And then people like actually saw like, oh wait, this guy really is funny. Yeah. Um, but he's a uh, he's the best part of Half Baked too. <laughs> that was that was an amazing cameo. It's one of my favorite movie cameos because it's just so. Random. It's so straight and to the point, but it's great. Um, did and, he and do the, the shame... Fuller House thing at all? He did. Okay. Although, although, uh, like the original three guys, so him and, and Dave Coulier and John Stamos, like they were not in every episode. They're right. like special guest stars. The shame of this uh, is like he had put out a. They, they theorized that he passed away like they went and checked his room at like 10 a.m. and he had sent out a tweet at like I don't know 3 3:40 that morning about being excited for the upcoming tour and you know just somewhere in there he's just gone and that you know that sucks you know he's 65 and it sucks because you know he's having a big career resurgence he was going to have a special coming up uh you know he was doing a good uh you know, he's doing a good stand-up tour. And then, you know, there we go. I always like when he did O&A because he seemed like a really, like, approachable, down-to-earth kind of guy. I also get the impression he did, um... He he was, you know, he, he did the working blue and that sort of stuff because he was kind of angling into a niche as opposed to that being who he was as a person. He was just really good at doing that kind of comedy. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't, yeah, it sucks. I, I brought it up because I, I like him a lot, but also because he, he was the commissioner of fun in Shikara, like in the that's early true. years. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that that sucks, but I think that that's all the categories we had. Um, 
and I have I have record of our of our our votes on it. But um, yeah, that's that's our twenty twenty one year end awards. We're I, I know it was kind of AEW heavy, but that's just kind of where the the fun seemed to end up. Yeah, so. New Japan, New Japan just crapping all over themselves this year really didn't help. Yeah. So we would love to hear from you guys. What do you think of our awards? You think we were we were on base? You think we were off base? We would love to hear from you on our social media. And I know it's in the bumper, but just to say it again, on whatever uh, platform you listen to this podcast through, if you'd be so kind to leave us a, a review so it can you know be shared with some more friends and that sort of stuff, we'd appreciate it. Um, so with all that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time.